if you don't know Cherie, Cherie kind of makes the world go round here at Rancho leaders. in so many ways. And so she is our executive pastor. She is our uh, COO. Yes, I always get those mixed up. I'm like, I those know letters. it's not CF, it's COO. And so I'm no, really I grateful. don't do math. Yeah, me either. You don't want me to look at your spreadsheets. Okay, not my gift. But we're going to be talking with you today about leadership. We're still in this series where Jesus reimagined what the world could look like. And so we're going to re reimagine with you leadership today because Jesus had quite a bit to say about leadership. But I, I want to set up a couple of things for you before we hear from Cherie and from Megan. The first thing is some of you are probably sitting here and you're already thinking, why did I come today? Because I'm not a leader. I don't have a position of leadership, I don't have a title, I don't have a list of responsibilities or a bunch of direct reports that I lead. And I want you to know that every person in this room, including that incredible group of students over there, are leaders. Everyone who's joining us online today is a leader because leadership is just influence. It's influencing the people around us, hopefully for good, but sometimes for not so much good. We are leading if we're parenting, we're leading if we're grandparenting or great-grandparenting, or if you have nieces or nephews, Megan, they're leading if they have friends at school. Yeah, if you're a student with friends at school, you have influence. Yeah, you're leading. If you're running an organization or a company, you're leading. If you're volunteering here at Rancho or in the community, you are leading. And Jesus reimagines with us what leadership can look like. But leadership is hard, right? I mean, just, it's just hard. And so, Cherie, would you just... Why is it so hard? Talk to us about that. Well, okay, so for me, I mean, I look at Jesus as being the ultimate leader, right? And he had 12 disciples who followed him and didn't collect a paycheck for that. Instead, they actually probably got a lot of grief. A lot, yeah. So, um, but I look at that and think to myself, he being that perfect example of a leader um, balancing the tension, right, of um, loving on his team and yet getting stuff done. Mm -hmm. um, he always spoke the truth, mm -hmm. which is huge. He asked for more, but he also gave more. And okay. so, Tell us more about that, because you said that in the last service, and that just is resonating in my heart and mind so much. He asked for more, but he gave more. What does that look like to you? So to me, Jesus always asks for more of us, right? He asks us to do better. He asks us to give more of ourselves, but he does that in return. Mm -hmm. So he serves us, right? He served the disciples. He washed their feet. He did life with them. And so I think that he doesn't ask us to do any more than he himself would do. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a good leader. He valued everyone. Everyone had a place, right? Like you said, whether you're the mom, all those moms out there, you are the COOs and CFOs of your house. Yes. Um, he valued everyone in that role. He was completely motivated by compassion, yeah. which I think is huge as a leader. We have to have empathy and compassion. Mm -hmm. And he forgives. And I think that so many times we think that that sounds really simple. <laughs> but when you go to put it into practice, right, it's not simple, right? Those days come and hit you and it's not always simple. It's so hard. That's a really high bar that Jesus just set according to Cherie. I mean, none of us are hitting that mark. Megan, why is it so hard? What, what are we experiencing around leadership that's difficult? 
Well, I think the, the main hard part is that we're all people, right? And so we all have our different personalities, our different strengths, our different emotions. And, you know, sometimes trying to kind of corral those to get a job done can be difficult. And so it's a very difficult thing to, you know, they're typically like, I'll speak to like my role in the workplace. When you're trying to get a task done, it's very important that that task gets done. Yeah. When you take 100 kids to, to camp, you can't miss any of the details. You have to make sure for safety and for, you know, all of the things that you hit. And so those things have to get done. But at the same time, you're leading people. And so you, you have to know when is the task more important or when is the person more important. The person is always more important. But sometimes there's a little bit of a, okay, we have to put that aside and we have to work together and get this done. Sometimes it's knowing when to say, okay, forget the tasks for today. How are you doing? And, and, and lead the person. So it's like very much a spiritual and mental and physical leadership. And it's just that balance of when do I lead somebody out of their, their head or their emotions into kind of completing something? And when do we kind of sit in that and just say like, okay, what's going on with you? Because you're leading the whole person. Oh, man. And I think that's what makes it so difficult. It's definitely a huge part of it. You know, leadership is not a science. We want to think that A plus B equals great leadership in every context. But if you've raised multiple children, you know you can't parent all three of those kids the same way. If you have managed teams, you realize pretty quick that if you try to lead every one of those direct reports in the same way and communicate to them in the same way and handle conflict and feedback in the same way, pretty soon you're going to have a problem on your hands. I think that's part of what makes leadership so challenging and, if I'm being honest, kind of exhausting. Because I really resonate with what you said. Sometimes I just want to get the goal accomplished. I want to get the task done. I want to get the thing done. But there are people who matter, who are in front of me, who need my time and my attention and my heart. And navigating that can be kind of overwhelming at times. And so back to Jesus, because he sets this bar for leadership really high. He says things throughout the gospels like the first need to really be last and the last are really the ones who are gonna be first. And in order to become great in the kingdom, you need to be less. And really, if you wanna be a leader, you need to become like the junior or like the kids. And so this is kind of perplexing. And there's a tension here because what the world sets as expectations for leaders looks different. The world wants leaders to have the answers. The world wants us to know how to get the solutions and how to capture and create the vision that's been put ahead of us. And Jesus is saying, hey, I just want you to serve. What does it look like to serve? So Megan, how do you navigate that tension in your world? The tension of here's what Jesus says about leadership. Here are the expectations of the world and we fall somewhere in the middle. Yeah, so, well, we see Jesus kind of just coming, you know, he comes on the scene very humbly, right? He doesn't come wearing a crown and, and all of the things that typical kings would come that way. We see him coming in on a donkey. We see him washing the feet of his disciples, but yet commanding uh, followers, commanding that respect to the level of where the disciples were willing to follow him to their death. And so it's like that's that tension of, like, so much we think that, you know, to command respect, we have to put our foot down. We have to be in charge. We have to look powerful. But Jesus was the perfect example of another way, which is really his whole ministry was showing us another way. And I was in a Bible class um, with a group, and 
I was, I was there as part of my pastoral training, and the, one of the topics that came up was, can women be pastors, and can they lead in the church? And so we were kind of 50-50, and this gentleman asked me, it was a good conversation, and this gentleman asked me, he was an older gentleman, and I, I genuinely believe that he was asking me to learn and he, to, from a good place. And he asked me, what is it like, is it hard for you to go from being a leader in the church and a pastor at work, and then how do you transition into the home as I sort of submit to my husband and his words? And it was really like the answer I gave him is, I think that even in the church we get this wrong, but and especially in the world as well, where we think leadership is this, rung, this ladder where we're climbing to the next rung and we're climbing to the next rung. So if, I've been, if I'm given more responsibility um, by you and Scott, then that means like I'm, I'm up above people and I've climbed to the next rung. And really how I see that is I have more people to serve. Mm-hmm. I have more of myself to surrender. And I have actually less of, you know, that kind of power and being in charge. Mm-hmm. And so like what you guys see behind me, like what you guys saw in the video and the picture and everything, that was all, all the leaders having a voice in that vision. Mm-hmm. If it was just me commanding and doing everything and saying, this is what we're going to do, it would not have turned out that way at all. And so just like understanding that like the greater the responsibility you're given, the more you are to surrender yourself and to serve those that you're equipping to lead. I love this because this is the idea that no matter what your position is, you can be a positional leader. So the, the position, the title on the org chart makes you a leader, kind of. Right. But if we think of leadership as influence, you can be a kid who influences your parents. That's right. You can be an employee who influences your boss your peers, the people around you. And I love that that's what you, you're describing. Right. Shuri, how do you navigate this tension? What does it look like? So I would say probably in my earlier years in ministry, just children's pastor, I definitely thought I had it figured out. I definitely didn't have it figured out. Um, I think we all thought we knew a lot more then than we realized when we were older now, we knew nothing. Absolutely. Um, but over these last three to four years, I've really tried to to learn, to seek, pray, wisdom. But I think for me, balancing that tension is really trying to do community and life with mm-hmm. the team. It's, it's being there with them. It's being present. It's mm-hmm. like you said, it's balancing the tasks that have to get done, but it's also balancing, hey, how was Claire at camp this week, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So um, I think that there's this balance and it's trust. Mm-hmm. I think that people will follow a leader if they trust and believe in them. And that's why Jesus was so good at, right? I mean, his team trusted and they believed in him. And so they were willing to follow him at any cost mm-hmm. um, without the paycheck. And I think that that, I think that is what's so crucial. And I think she's trying to get volunteers. She keeps hinting the volunteers. fact that they, <laughs> without a paycheck. they did all this without a paycheck, guys. Yes. But I think that it's one of those things that if you look at it, big picture, during the pandemic, I would say we were stretched beyond normal for leaders. I don't know about the rest of the world, but I would mm-hmm. say here, um, we had teams that definitely had cracks. Mm-hmm. And I would say um, cracks that I regret, cracks that mm-hmm. I wish would have gone different. Mm-hmm. Um, but being a good leader, I think you have to do life with those teams. And mm-hmm. I think that we can learn from all of those things. Like I said, the pandemic stretched us all in ways yeah. we never thought was gonna be possible. Mm-hmm. 
that wasn't just here. Yeah. That, that pressure of the last year and a half, I have seen that in every church that I am familiar with, in every organization across every sector, whether it's schools, it's in the marketplace, in businesses, in churches. Leadership was incredibly difficult this year, so much pressure, and I think we're still experiencing some of that. I want to I finish up with a story while I have the two of you up here, and it was the first probably three weeks that I was here on staff at Rancho. It was in May. And if you don't know, Rancho is not just a church, but there's a preschool, there's a K through five, there's a middle school and a high school. And Cherie and her team turned this place over. It's a, it's a multi-purpose, multi-use campus, which is insane and incredible. And we're in a staff meeting that afternoon where we're planning the weekend service. So many of our pastors and leaders are in this meeting talking through what the weekend service is gonna look like. We wrap up and Cherie looks at her phone and then she looks up at us and she says, hey guys, uh, the facilities team could use some help setting up the auditorium for preschool graduation. Any of you that are available, can you come down and help us stack chairs, move chairs, move tables? And, you know, I'm brand new to the team at this point, and I, actually, and I was available. Yeah, it was perfect. I was available, which, you know, I was grateful for because I came downstairs to help, thinking that maybe two or three of us would be there because oftentimes we go from meeting to meeting to meeting. And I have to tell you, Cherie was in here moving chairs. Megan was in here moving chairs. Scott was in here moving chairs. Evan was in here. All, like, the whole team showed up. And maybe they just didn't have anything scheduled that afternoon. I don't know. But in that moment, it was one of the times when I realized this is a team that I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of a team of leaders who are willing to jump in and roll up their sleeves and do what needs to be done to serve our preschool family. So would you give them a round of applause? They are incredible leaders. Thank you, Chris. So grateful for them. You are leading. No matter what season or stage of life you're in, no matter what your position is in life or in the workplace, you are leading because you have influence. And Jesus reimagined with us what that leadership could look like. Now, I could talk to you today about the five ways you could be a great leader. But I'm not going to do that because you have plenty of training out there that will walk you through how to show up and be a great leader at home, in the community, in the workplace, at school. It's pervasive and probably you know much of it. Instead, what I want to do today is I want to help change the way you think about leadership. I want to help change the way you think about God because the way that we think about God impacts every area of our life. And so there's two things that I want you to walk out of those doors today, thinking about God, trusting about God. And it's two things that we see Jesus live out in the scripture. So we're gonna start together in Luke chapter 22. And what's happening right now is Jesus is at the Passover meal, the last supper with his disciples. He's just taken the cup, he's just taken the bread. They are in community together, they're doing life together. In just a few short hours, they will walk to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus will sweat blood because he's experiencing so much pressure. And then he will be betrayed and, and arrested. But for now, he's at dinner with 12 of his favorite people. And here's what's happening. Jesus says, do you realize 
that the hand of the one who is betraying me is at this moment on this table. It's true that the Son of Man is going down a path already marked out. There's no surprises here. But for the one who turns him in, turns traitor to the Son of Man, this is doomsday. They immediately became suspicious of one another, and they began quizzing each other, wondering who might be about to do this. And within minutes, it says they were bickering. Now, I want to stop here because this bickering that the scripture is talking about in the Greek, it's talking about they were contending with one another. And you know what it means to contend. It's this idea of comparison. It's this idea of I'm going to posture myself in the moment to look like I am the guy or the girl who knows what they're talking about. It's this idea of I'm going to compare that I am greater than you, which is what we're going to see in just a moment. So Jesus is trying to help them understand what is about to take place, not for the first time, but this is several times now, and we'll get to that in just a moment, but they are bickering. Now, you've been to, I would imagine, dinner with other human beings before. Have you ever sat around a table with 12 adults and they began bickering about who was smarter and who was greater? It's not usually that overt. We usually operate a little bit more subtly in those scenarios, but this is what's happening here with the disciples. And it says, but Jesus intervened. And he said, kings like to throw their weight around and people in authority like to give themselves fancy titles. But it's not gonna be that way with you. Let the senior among you become like the junior. Now, I picked this translation from the message paraphrase because I think Eugene Peterson captures the Greek there beautifully. Normally, when we read it, it says, let the greater become like the lesser. But what, what Jesus is wanting to capture here is, let the senior, the leader, the master among you become like the junior. So let's think about this for a second. If you are the senior, if you're the leader, if you're the boss, if you're the expert, you typically need to have all the answers. You need to know what's gonna happen. You need to have a clear vision and you need to know how to get there. You need to be strategic. There is no room for uncertainty. There's no room for doubt. There's no room for weakness. There's no room for questions. Let the senior become like the junior. What is the posture of a junior? Someone who is new, they're fresh, on the leadership scene. They maybe don't have as much experience. They're curious. They ask questions. They're hungry to learn. They'll say things like, tell me how you did this and show me how and what does this look like and will you give me feedback? Will you tell me how to do it better? There's a different posture between the senior and the junior. And then Jesus goes on and he says, let the leader act the part of the servant. Now, the word servant here in the Greek can have multiple meanings. I want to talk with you about what they are because it's really, really powerful for us to understand this. Let the leader become like the servant. This is a picture of a friend. It's a friendship. And in the same passage, the same story, but just in the book of John, we get a little bit of a different perspective. Jesus says to the disciples, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. 
This is what Jesus is saying here. Let the leader become like the servant or the friend. It's a companion. It's a guide. There's a a piece of hospitality there. How many of you love to open your home and have people over? You love to feed them. You love to cook. You love to do fun things. Okay, I'm not seeing any hands. You are way less fun than the last service. Everybody in the last service like to have people over. I'm just saying. When you are being hospitable, you're putting the needs of the people in your home ahead of your own. You want them to feel comfortable. You want them to feel safe. You're not inviting them over so they can see how awesome you are. Because if you, if you do that, you probably won't have people come over to your house very often. It's this idea of hospitality. It's serving and ministering to the needs of the people that you're leading. And in the same story in the book of John, what do we see Jesus do? He, he acknowledges the bickering. He teaches them about leadership. And then he washes their feet. Now, I did not read that passage of scripture to you today for lots of reasons, but one of them is I don't like feet. And if we ever do a service here where we wash feet, I will be sick that day, just say. But what Jesus is doing is he's leading by example what it looks like for the leader to become a servant who really lives out this idea of hospitality. It's incredible. But here's the thing. There's so much packed in there. There's a lot of pressure to lead like Jesus. And and we talked about it in our conversation. But most of us are not leading like Jesus on an everyday basis. Like if you come into my home and you interview my family, they would tell you that I do not lead in my home that way every day, every moment. If you were to ask the people who I have managed on teams over the last couple of decades, they would say, yep, no, Carissa did not hit it out of the park in every moment. In fact, a lot of times she didn't. She failed her way forward. She was still figuring it out. She was still learning with us. And I would imagine that if I came into your homes and if I came into your workplaces, people would have very similar things to say. Because there's pressure on us as leaders to do things the right way, but it's hard. We don't always get it right. And so here's the first thing that I want you to walk out of here today knowing and thinking and hopefully trusting. It's that Jesus is patient. This is what we see in this story with the disciples. It's that Jesus is patient with those that he's leading This was not the first time the disciples had bickered and contended about who was best. Not only is it captured at the Last Supper in every book of the Gospels, but there were other moments in Jesus' life and ministry where the disciples were arguing about who would be the greatest. There were other moments when they would argue about who would sit at his right hand. There was even a time when they got their mom to come and ask Jesus if they could have that place of authority. Could you imagine being a grown adult and having your mom come and ask your boss to give you a promotion? I mean, this, it happened. But here's what I want you to notice. Jesus is incredibly patient with them. They still don't get it. And here's Jesus at his last meal with them on his way to the garden to be betrayed, to give his life. And he's patient with him. The other thing that I noticed this last week as I was reading through the different times this came up, and this was a new realization for me, was every time the disciples argued and bickered about who was the greatest, Jesus had just tried to explain to them the hard things that were coming. Every time Jesus tried to warn them, 
that he would suffer, that he would be betrayed, that he was going to die. The scripture tells us they would be confused and then they would bicker about who is the greatest. In fact, in one of these places, it literally says that the disciples did not understand what Jesus was trying to tell them, but they were too afraid to ask. They were confused. They were perplexed. They were scared, overwhelmed, stressed, and it brought out this bickering, this contention, this posturing. And here's what I know about me, and here's what I think I know about you, is that part of our humanity is that when we are uncertain, when we are confused, when we are perplexed, when we do not know what's going to happen, when we can't anticipate and predict the future or how we're going to handle it, or we think things are not going according to our plan, is that when the best parts of us come out? Is that when we are typically patient with ourselves and patient with the people around us? No, that's usually when the parts of us that we're not super proud of spill out onto the people around us. And this is what we see with the disciples. And you know what? Jesus was patient with them every single time. And so what would it look like in your life, with your leadership, with your influence, if you began to think of Jesus as patient, if you began to think of God as patient, if you began to trust that when you're scared and perplexed and overwhelmed and you're not living your life the way that you want to, you're messing up, you're failing, you're making mistakes, what if you began to trust that in that moment, God is patient with you? How would that change things? How would that change the way that you treat yourself? And then how would that change the way that you treat the people around you? It is foundational to the way that we lead and follow Jesus, to understand that God is patient with us. And then the next thing we see is that Jesus enjoys the process. He enjoys the process of our growth, the process of our becoming. We know how the story ends. It, it ends in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus being betrayed and turned over and arrested, and then eventually he gives up his life. What I wanna do right now is I wanna bring your attention to how this story begins that night. So we're gonna rewind in Luke 22 to verse 14. When it was time, he sat down, all the apostles with him and said to the disciples, you have no idea how much I have looked forward to eating this Passover meal with you before I enter my time of suffering. You have no idea how much I have looked forward to eating this Passover meal with you before my time of suffering. This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples who are about to bicker and compare and contend with one another. This is what he says. He knew that was gonna happen, not only because he knows all things, but because there was a pattern there. And we typically follow the patterns of our lives pretty closely. He says, it's the last one I'll eat until we all eat it together in the kingdom of God. Jesus knew that that evening was going to be kind of a mess, 
there was somebody seated at the table sharing a meal with him who had betrayed him, had already set it all into motion. There were others who were gonna hear again about how Jesus was moving into his time of suffering and they would begin to bicker and complain and compare about who would be greatest in the kingdom of God. And yet, he's communicating to them how much he was looking forward to spending this time with them. Even though they hadn't arrived And so what would it look like in your life if you began to think, God enjoys me in my process of growth, in my process of becoming? How would it impact the way that you think of yourself if you began to trust that God enjoys you, that he likes you, that he delights in you, no matter what part of your life you're in, no matter what season or stage, no matter how much you're failing or not failing, regardless of all of it, he enjoys you in the process. And this is because he understands that who you were is not who you are, And who you are is not who you're becoming. Jesus operates with a different kind of time than we do. He operates in the fullness of time, which is this ability to understand the past and the present and the future. And so he gets why we do the things that we do. He gets why the ickiness spills out onto the people around us because he understands our past and our story and the way we're wired and our family of origin. And he understands the present and the pressure that we're experiencing and the stress and the uncertainty and he gets it, but he also sees who we are in Christ. That we're created new each day and every every day we are being renewed and transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. He sees the part of you that is created and hidden with Christ. This picture of this fullness of time. And so he can be patient because he has all the time in the world and he can enjoy you every step of the way. So this is what I want to leave you with today. What does it look like? How does it impact the way that you influence, the way that you lead to begin to think and trust God is patient with you? To begin to think and to trust that God enjoys you in every part of your growth, in every part of your process, which for most of us oftentimes includes taking two steps forward and one step back. How often have you said to yourself or maybe to someone that you trust, I really thought I would have been past this by now, or I dealt with this several years ago, why is this coming up again? Or how about this one? I feel like I'm learning the same lessons over and over again. Yeah, Jesus is not surprised by this. And we know because we see it in the lives of the disciples and we see the way that he interacted with them and the way that he was patient and loving with them. And so today, it's really not about go out there and follow these three steps to lead well. It has to start with how do we think about God and allowing that to inform how we think of ourselves because that is the foundation that we need in order to lead and influence the people around us well. Now, one of the best ways I know to begin to transform our thinking and to transform our mind is just through prayer. We can't learn to think this about God and to trust this about God on our own. We need his grace, we need his mercy, we need his help. And so what's gonna happen now is Evan and the team are gonna come back out. They're gonna lead us in this incredible anthem song 
in just a moment where we get to celebrate who God is and how he's at work in our life. But before they do that, I wanna pray over us and I wanna invite God to help us think of him as patient. I wanna invite him to help us think of him as someone who enjoys us in the process. So let's pray together. God, we are grateful. We're grateful, God, that you don't expect us to have it all together. And we know this because you have given us scripture and stories of men and women who really just didn't get it right over and over and over again. And every single time you were patient with them and you're patient with us. And so if there's anybody here today, God, who just feels like they're blowing it, God, would you speak into the depths of their heart that you are patient and that you like us and enjoy us at every part of the process. That you enjoy who we are. Whether we take another step forward or we get better at anything or we grow, you enjoy us no matter what because we're your sons and we're your daughters and we are created in the image of God. God, help that to change the way that we think. Help that to change the way that we interact with the world around us. God, as we lead, give us courage. As we influence, give us grace and humility. Help us, God, to think differently about who you are so that we can become like the junior, so that we can become like those who serve. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.